Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. I am convinced and, and have been for some time now that the secret sauce to successful Christian living, which is really what we're after, right? I mean, we, we're looking for a way to do, I, I say this all the time, being a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my life because I'm trying to be like Jesus. That's hard. That's really hard. But the secret sauce, I think, is living your life <clears throat> as a thank you note to God. Whenever I talk to people and I do the Jesus talk, that's one of the things we talk about, is living your life as a thank you note to God. And I've got a whole thing that I do with them when I, when I do that. But there's an old saying, uh, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with that life is your gift back to God. And we've all heard that. But I'm here to suggest to you this morning that Thanksgiving is more than just a holiday that we come together and, and eat well and spend some time with family and get some time off work. It's that, and we're thankful for that. But it's more than that, or it should be, especially for the believer. Um, as I said, I'm convinced that, that what we're talking about today, this, this whole idea of gratitude, is, is, uh, it's the secret sauce. It's, it's really what, it's the engine for your faith. It's, it's really what makes everything go smoother if you, can, if you can lock into this idea of gratitude. And when you do what we're going to suggest that you do today, and you live as, your life as a thank you note to God, what you're going to discover is that you have more happiness in your life. You will discover that there is more satisfaction in life when you focus on being a person of gratitude. You're going to find more meaning and more significance in your life and the things that you do. It's just going to all mean more to you if you can lock into this idea of gratitude. Uh, Psalm 50 says this, the sacrifice that honors me is a thankful heart. Scientists will tell you, and usually at Thanksgiving, I'll, I'll usually hear this in, at one outlet or another, but scientists will tell you that the healthiest emotion you can have is that of gratitude. It's good for you, right? It's like vegetables. They're good for you. And, um, that's exactly what I mean when I use that quote by Andy Stanley, and I've, I've taken to using it a lot in here because it just means so much to me. And I heard Andy say, say this probably, I don't know, five, six years ago or more, but he, he has this saying that he, when he's preaching, he says, Jesus makes you better at life, and, and following Jesus will make you better at life, and it will make your life better. And I, I just think that's true. Following Jesus makes you better at life, and following Jesus makes your life better. Now, here's what I know. I know that there are people on Sunday mornings who come to church here who have not given their life to Christ. In fact, I will even take it further than that. I know that we have people that come to church here who don't even believe in Jesus, don't even believe sometimes in God. And you're like, Brett, we don't have people like that come to church here. Trust me, we do. We do. And I'm thankful that they come. I'm glad that they feel like they can come here, even if they don't believe the same things we believe, and, and I don't even really know what the motivation is behind someone who, who thinks that way or feels that way and comes to be with us, but I'm thankful for them. I'm glad that they, they trust us with their time, and I'm glad to have an opportunity to encourage them and talk to them. But if you're that person, if you're someone who, who you, you don't know that you believe in Jesus, like you believe he's a person, he lived, but you don't know if he's God and you don't know if he's the son of God and you're just, you know, kicking the tires on all that or maybe you're just like anti, no, I don't believe that. Um, what I would tell you is that you, you need to take a serious second look at Jesus. And, and a lot of times what happens is 
our biases cause us to set certain things aside, and people sometimes just decide, you know what? Nope, don't believe in Jesus. I'm going to set that aside. I, I'm begging you to take another look, because here's what I know. This is just a fact. There is not a counselor on the planet worth their salt who would argue that the teachings of Jesus on subjects like marriage, forgiveness, handling money, and certainly uh, our subject today, gratitude, there's not a, a counselor that's worth anything um, that would tell you that Jesus' teachings on those things aren't good for you. The, the way that Jesus talked about those things and other things, I mean, just about, I won't say just about, everything that Jesus said, if you will follow what Jesus said, what you're going to find is your life gets better, okay? Jesus doesn't tell you anything that you should consider doing that is going to make your life worse. Everything that he gives you makes your life better. And so I would just invite you to take a, a second look at that. So, so this is where we're going this morning. We're asking the question, why should I live my life as a thank you note to God? And I'm going to give you three reasons this morning, and then I'm going to try and give you some practical ways to, to live that out. And as you might imagine, we're going to use the Bible for that. What might be a surprise is that a lot of the scriptures that we find around this idea of giving thanks or thanksgiving or gratitude um, are found in the book of Psalms. So uh, I'm going to put those on the wall for you. We're going to be all over the place. I would just tell you it's probably not worth trying to keep up with me today, all right? Uh, but just about everything will come out of the Psalms. The first reason that I want to give you for living your entire life as a thank you note to God is because of who God is. Because of who God is. If God were malicious, if he were vindictive, if he were angry and mean, I wouldn't have any gratitude. There, it would be ridiculous for me to have gratitude. If God were aloof and uncaring and indifferent and detached from my life, why would I want to have any gratitude? If he were distant and unreliable and he couldn't be trusted, I wouldn't have any gratitude in my life. There would, it would be almost senseless to, to do that. Why would we, why would we do that? So, so here's what we know. None of those things are true about God. In fact, the Bible teaches the exact opposite, that God is, is the opposite of those things. Psalm 145, the Lord is great. He is worthy of our praise. No one can understand how great he is. You say, well, Brett, what difference does that make? And why is that worthy of my gratitude? Well, here's why. If God is big enough to create the universe, then he can handle whatever's going on in your world. If he's big enough to create the universe, he knows what's going on with you. I was reading Twitter last night, and I saw this, this I guess it's a statistic. I, it, yes, it's a statistic. I'm going to see if I can say this from memory. Um, it was talking, somebody was talking about space, and they were talking about our galaxy. And they said, if you just took the Milky Way galaxy, now this just is mind-boggling to me, okay? They said, it would take you 100,000 to 160,000 years to go from one end of our Milky Way galaxy to the other end. 100,000 to 160,000 years. Now, here's what you're not understanding, okay? I'm about to really blow this thing up for you. Because you're thinking, yeah, if I'm driving 65 miles an hour, it would take me, no, no, no. That's if you're going the speed of light. You know what the speed of light is? 286,000 miles a second. Now think about what I just said. Traveling at the speed of light, 286,000 miles a second, 
it would take you somewhere between 100,000 and 160,000 years to go from one end of our galaxy to the other. Have I blown your mind yet? Hold on. That's one galaxy. That's one galaxy. Scientists estimate just in what can be seen in space, there's a lot they can't see, they estimate just in what can be seen in space, there are upwards of two trillion galaxies. I mean, I just broke your brain. You, you, you don't even know what to say to that, right? Like, okay, he's just doing stupid talk now. What I'm trying to say is, if God can do all that, whatever's going on in your world does not scare him. Whatever's going on in your world, he doesn't look at it and go, oh, boy, I, you know, that's pretty tough. I mean, you look at it that way. We see our problems and they scare us. We see our problems and we think, man, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. We see our problems like, God, how, I don't know if you can do anything about this. God sees our problems and says, you know what? <laughs> Created all these galaxies. I think I got this. It's not, it's, it, I got it. And we go to God and, you know, like we're telling him what's going on. And it's not like God is taking notes, like he's being informed, like, oh, didn't know that. No, he, he fully is aware of what's going on in your world. He knows what you need. He created you. He's good. He's better than good. He's great. So that's the first thing. God is great. Psalm 97, give thanks to God as you remember how holy he is. The second thing we know about God is that God is holy. You say, Brett, what does that mean? It means he's pure. It means he's, he's perfect. He is faultless. He does not make mistakes. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. God is unfailing. I tell you this all the time, but I really do mean it. And, you know, if someone were to say, Brett, I'm going to give you five seconds, you get to talk to your congregation for five seconds, then we're dragging you off, and, and that's it. That's the last time you'll ever get to say anything to them. You know what I would say? This is what I would say. God is crazy about you. God is crazy about you. He loves you immensely. He, 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 you're the apple of his eye. You, you are so important to God, he loves you. I have a really hard time sometimes of convincing adults that God really, really loves them. The only reason that there is love in the universe is because God is love. The only reason I know how to love or that I can receive love or give love is because God is love and has showed me how. The only reason you can receive and give love is because God is love and he's empowering you to do that. So we can thank God that he is great. We can thank God that he's holy. We can thank God for his unfailing love. Psalm 7, verse 17, I will thank the Lord because he is just. Now, what does that mean? It means that he's fair. It means that he is not prejudiced. He is unbiased. Now, you know, in our world these days, we talk a lot about racism and things like that. And I, don't, I think a lot of that is just, um, it's blown up. You know, if, if I disagree with you, now suddenly you're a racist, right? That's what happens. If we disagree with each other, that's what we do. We just call each other a racist. It's stupid the way we talk to each other. Most people are not racists. What, what, what we do struggle with, and everybody struggles with it, um, it just, you know, you have to search your life to find it, are prejudices. We have all different kinds of prejudices towards, different, toward the kind of car you drive, toward the kind of restaurant you want to eat at, you know, toward, you know, certain people wearing certain clothes or, you know, just any, sometimes the color of skin might come in and there's a prejudice there. Um, but God is not prejudiced. God is not biased. He's, he's unfailing. He's, he's just. He's fair. 
Just means that God is always right. He's never wrong. He's never wrong. Um, that can't be said of me. That can't be said of you. You know, when you hear people, one of the big reasons people say, I don't, wanna, I, don't wanna, I don't believe in Jesus or I don't want to believe in God, is they'll say, if there is a God, why is there all this evil in the world? Well, what they're really saying is, I want a just world. But what they don't understand is, God is a just God. But not only is God just, he is merciful. And he's the only one who perfectly captures both of those things and executes those flawlessly in our universe. So I thank God for that. Psalm 54, verse 6, I thank you, God, you're so good. You're good, you're just, you're fair, you are for me, you are great. Psalm 118, I, I uh, tell the Lord how thankful you are because he is kind and always merciful. Some of you grew up with parents who, they weren't always merciful. In fact, some of you grew up with parents that day to day, you weren't sure what you were going to get. Some days it was like, you know, awesome, they're great. And then other days, maybe you had parents that were like, they have just completely wandered off the reservation. I mean, what happened to them, right? One day they're up, one day they're down. And that's not all of you. Probably most of you had great, wonderful, loving parents. But once in a while, I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, man, my parents, I mean, I never knew one day to the next what was going to happen. One day they're mad at me and I didn't do anything wrong. The next day I feel like, you know, I, I can't get anything right and they're great to me. Here's what I'm telling you. Um, inconsistency creates insecurity. If you are an inconsistent parent, you are going to raise insecure kids, okay? Because they just, they don't know what's around the next corner. Kids need consistency. God knows that. God, with his kids, God is very consistent. He's always kind. He's always merciful, which means that no matter how badly I mess up today, or tomorrow, or next week, or in the coming month, or no, no matter how much I've messed up in my past, God is always kind. God is always merciful. He is consistent. So how do I show thanks to this kind of God, who is this kind of merciful, merciful and kind? And I'm going to show you several ways this morning. First of which is by singing with all my heart. By singing with all my heart. Tone it makes all the difference, doesn't it? You ever gotten an email or a text message and you read it wrong? Um, I, I do that often. I get a text message and I'll read it and I read a certain tone and then I look at it later and I'm like, oh, that's not how they meant that. <laughs> um, they're mad or, <laughs> or whatever. And so tone is really important, how we say things. Have you ever uh, had somebody say thank you to you that you didn't really, you weren't really sure that they meant it? Like you give them something, and they're like, oh, thanks. Like, just kind of toss it aside. Thanks. Appreciate that. And you're like, dude, like, that's it? That's, I mean, that's, that's your thank you? Tone? Can we, can we change the tone? Here's one. We're coming up on Christmas time. I guarantee you that probably at least you're going to give at least one gift. I think most of us probably give at least one gift where this is the case. Where the person we're going to give it to, we can't wait to see their reaction, right? It's that gift that you give where you've researched, you've kind of studied the person, you know what they want, you've gone the extra mile, you've spent a little extra money, you even got the one that does the extra things, the one that they didn't necessarily want, but you're like, oh, watch this, I'm going to wow them, I'm going to give them this one. And then when you, what happens for most of us is we bring those gifts in and we put them under the tree and somebody's going to hand those out, right? And you, you're sitting across the room, when, when they get that gift, you're watching. Because you want to see 
the reaction on their face when they open that gift. And they don't even know you're watching. They don't know they're being surveilled, but you're watching. And what do you think, what goes through your mind if they open that gift and you're expecting this response? And I don't know what, expo- what, what response you want, but if the person got up and walked across the room and gave you a hug and said, thank you so much, that wouldn't be out of the realm of, of expectation for you, right? Like, I hope they really like this gift. And you're watching them and they open it and when they see it, they just kind of put it back in the box and toss it to the side and go to the next thing. You're like, what the heck? Like, hey, you know, you just want to stop the whole thing and make everybody stop opening their gifts. Like, hey, wait a minute. And, and then you want to get after whoever it is. Like, hey, show some gratitude for crying out loud. I worked hard on that. And, and they're not showing you any. What we want is a sincere thank you from the heart. That's why I come out here and tell you so often, and you did it again this morning. I could hear you singing in the back. I just can't even tell you how that's, it, it just blesses me when I can hear you singing all the way back there. I know you got your masks on, and I know there's not as many of you as normal, and, but you're still singing. And that's why I compliment you all the time, because it's a really big deal. I think God cares that we sing to him. Now, once in a while, we aren't all that good at it. I mean, once in a while, you know, we sing a song like, How Great Is Our God? You know what it sounds like? How great is our God? You know, like it's a burden for you to sing. Like, uh, like you're doing it, but you're kind of going through the motions, and you're not really locked in from a cognitive standpoint and thinking to yourself, no, God is great, and I'm going to lift this from from the very core of who I am, I want him to know that I know he's great. And when you sing like that, when you sing and it can be heard and God can hear it, there's, that's tone, right? There's, there's, it's sincere and it's like God hears that and says, yeah, I like that. Now some of you walk up to me and, and you say, Brett, I, I can't sing. Well, we already knew that, okay? <laughs> um, we already knew that. Body language, sometimes our body language and when we sing is awful. But you'll come up to me and you'll say, Brad, I can't sing. Well, you don't have to sing. The Bible says just make a joyful noise. I can't sing. Listen, if I could sing, I wouldn't be a preacher, all right? Just telling you, if I was a singer, I wouldn't be a preacher. But I still sing, even though it doesn't sound that pretty to me and it probably doesn't sound that pretty to anybody else. But I know God loves it. And so I'm always singing to God. Make a joyful noise. Now, here's the thing. I've been with some of you at sporting events when you're rooting on your team. I was with some of you the night the Colts won the Super Bowl. I was with some of you. I saw the way you reacted, right? Touchdowns get scored. You guys are jumping off couches, popcorn's flying, you know, hands in the air, touchdown, you know, acting crazy. Here's the thing. We raise our hands at a football game. We're fans. We raise our hands at church, we're fanatics. Tone. Let God know you love him. God. <laughs> this isn't in my notes, but I'll just tell you, this is one of my favorite jokes. Um, I, you know, Cross Lane is a Christian church. We, I come out of the Christian church tradition, per, typically known as pretty conservative. We haven't ever been known as people who raise their hands. We have people that raise their hands in church. I would invite you to do that. I would, in fact, encourage you to do that. I didn't grow up that way, so it's just, it feels weird for me. But I saw a cartoon one time, and it was this guy, and he's standing behind a desk. He's a banker, and he's standing behind a desk, and he's got his hands down to his side. 
And there's a guy on the other side of the desk with a gun pointed at him. And the guy with the gun says, I don't care if you are from the Christian church. I said, put your hands in the air. <laughs> Just awesome. That's the way we are. Like, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not doing it. No, praise God. Be, be a fanatic. Be a fanatic. Tell him that you love him. Another way, a second way we do that is by thanking God in prayer. Prayer is just nothing more than talking to God. You should talk to God the same way you would talk to me. Now, I'm not, I don't mean by that that you should, you know, that, that God's not important and that, or that in any way that I take the place of God. That's not what I mean. What I mean is it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to impress. When you talk to me, you do not have to impress me. All right? In fact, the more you try to impress me, the less impressed I get. Isn't that you? The more somebody tries to impress you, the less impressed you get. That's, I think that's God. God's like, look, you don't have to dress it up. It doesn't have to be fancy language. I know what you're trying to say. I'm just glad that you're coming to me. I'm glad you're talking to me. It doesn't have to be perfect. No fancy language. You don't have to dress it up. Just talk to him. Psalm 105, give thanks to the Lord and pray to him. So the first reason I should live my life as an entire thank you note to God is who he is. The second reason I should live my life as a thank you note to God is because of what he has done. Now, the difference between what I just talked to you about, the difference between who he is and what he has done is the difference between um, praise and thanksgiving. And here's what I mean. Here's the difference. We praise God for who he is. We give thanks to God for what he has done. That's the difference. Okay? Praise God for who he is. We give thanks for what he's done. Psalm 52. I will thank you, God, forever for what you have done. So what has God done for you? Well, there's a lot of things that God has done for you. I'm just going to go through the Psalms real quick and just throw out five real quick things that God has done for you and me. Here we go. He created you. He created you. Psalm 148, let all things praise the name of the Lord because we were created at his command. God, I just want to give you thanks for, for creating me. If you're a parent, the chances are good that you have had this conversation with your kids where they, they fold their arms or they put their hands on their hips and they look at you and they say something stupid like, I wish I'd never been born. You ever had that? I wish I'd never been born. And you, as the more mature parent, fight with everything within you to not say back, and I wish we'd never brought you into this world, right? You ever felt that way? Well, sometimes I think the way we don't, we're not grateful. Sometimes the way we just complain and whine and, you know, we don't, we're not, we don't give thanks back to God. I think that's partly kind of what we're saying is, God, I wish I'd never been born. To which God would say, well, we could fix that, you know. <laughs> um, I could fix that. So he created you. That's a reason to be thankful. He saved you, Psalm 9. I will praise you and rejoice because you saved me. He answers our prayers. Psalm 118, I praise the Lord for answering my prayers. If you've ever had a prayer answered the way you wanted it answered, that is a great reason to praise God. And there are times when God answers prayers the way you don't want them answered that you should even praise God more because if you'd gotten what you wanted, it wouldn't have been good for you. And he's wiser than you. And he says, you know what? I can't give you that. That's not good for you. He created me, he saved me, he answers my prayers. Uh, another one is, he gives my life direction. Psalm 16, I praise the Lord because he guides me. You say, Brett, how does God do that? Well, 
Uh, God guides me in a lot of different ways. He guides me through scripture. He guides me through messages like this. I say all the time, um, you know, God may, God may use me to speak to you. And it's not anything that's good in me. Let's just understand that. I could get up here and say, hickory dickory dock, right? And if God wants to, has a message for you, he will translate hickory dickory dock into whatever you need it to be to speak to you, to send you out of here to go do whatever it is that he wants you to do. But he can speak through teachings like this, through godly friends, through circumstances. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, you know, you'll just have this idea, this inspired idea, and you're like, God, that's brilliant. And God's like, I know, because I'm brilliant, right? Um, sometimes he might give you an impression. He speaks to me through music. He speaks to me through movies sometimes. And, and the last thing that I would just point out to you is that Christ died for me. Colossians chapter 2. When you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled the debt. That's how the next verse starts. He canceled the debt. Now let me just ask you a question. Someone called you up today, this afternoon, you answer your phone and they say, hey, um, I took it upon myself to find out what you owe financially and I've canceled all your debts. I've paid for everything. So credit card debt, gone. I took care of it. Student loan debt, I took care of it. Car payment, that's gone. House payment, I covered it. Is that going to speak to you? Is that going to matter to you? Is that something that you go, oh my goodness. I mean, would you be grateful? Yes, you would be grateful. That's what Jesus did. Jesus canceled our sin bill, which was way bigger than any amount of money you owe, okay? It was going to cost you a lot more. And Jesus said, I'm going to take care of that. He canceled the debt, verse 14, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. God doesn't want us to ever forget what it cost to pay for our sin. Our forgiveness was free to us, but it was not free. And we, we need to understand that. That's why every week we take the Lord's Supper. Now you, you go ahead and, and take it in your hands. You might not want to open it just yet, but we do this every week. And one of the words that gets used in churches for this thing that we call communion, some churches refer to it as the Eucharist. And, and Eucharist is really just a Greek word that we have transliterated from Greek into English, and we, what that means is we've kept the Greek sound. So the word in Greek is the word eucharisto. And when you see the word eucharisto, that's the word thanksgiving. That's really what it means, is thanksgiving. And so that's what the Lord's Supper is. You can go ahead and un unwrap that if you want to. But we'll take it when I take it, okay? Just kind of follow my lead. So there are three things that I want you to understand what the Lord's Supper is. First of all, it is a reminder. It's a reminder. God knows that we forget. God knows that we forget things. So this is a reminder, and he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. It's also a symbol, Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood. Now, when he said that, he's talking in symbols. He doesn't mean it's his literal body and his literal bl blood. Um, 
you know, people get confused about that. Here's my illustration to try to correct that. If I were going to show you a picture of my wife, Dee Dee, on my phone, I would dial up the picture and I would say, this is my wife, Dee Dee. And you would look at that, but w- what you would not think is, oh, Brett's married to a cell phone. You wouldn't think that. You would know that I'm talking about the picture that you see. This is a representation of my wife, Dee Dee. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think, oh, his, his wife is a cell phone screen. No. Jesus said, used the same kind of expressions. He said, I am the door. But when he said that, nobody thought to themselves, oh, Jesus is a piece of wood. No, it was just an illustration. And so every time you take communion, however you do it, what you're saying is, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. So it's a symbol. It's, it's, a, it's a reminder. And then the last thing that I would tell you is, it's just a simple act. At Cross Lane, we, we try to give it the respect that it is due without overcomplicating it. Uh, I, you know, normally I get up here on Sunday morning and I come out and one of the first things I do is a, a communion meditation that kind of, what I'm trying to do is just center your heart, get your attention, and get it on the right stuff as you take these emblems. Because it matters to us that we do this the right way. But we don't, we're cross lane. We don't want to overcomplicate anything. We try to keep everything very, very simple. And it doesn't have to be complicated to, be, to just look at God and say, God, thank you. We just want you to know how thankful we are. So um, I want you to take your communion out now. This is a question that comes up for some of us. How should I feel when I'm taking communion? Should I feel guilty? No. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no reason for us to feel guilty. Should I feel grief? Should I be grief-ridden? No, because Jesus rose from the dead. There's no reason to be filled with grief. So then, Brett, what emotion should I feel? And the emotion that we should feel is gratitude. It's Eucharisto. It's giving thanks. You receive it with gratitude. It is a celebration of what God has done. So we take the bread, and I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. Then Jesus took some bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to the apostles, saying, This is my body, which I am giving for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here's what I want you to understand. The the gospel story is the only story where the king gives up his life for his servants and his subjects. In every other story you read or that you've ever heard about in history, the king did not die for the servants. The servants and the subjects died for the king. Didi and I are watching a program right now, a, a, a series, and it's about kingdoms in, in like, you know, the eight and nine hundreds. And what we're seeing is the king expects the subjects to lay their life down for him in his service. He's not about to die for them. But our kingdom, our God is different. He said, I'll die for you. The Savior dies for you. We take this together. Then I would point your attention to Matthew chapter 26, verse 27. He took a cup and spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. He gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. Lord, we are grateful that you died in our place. Now, what did we just do? Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, is not the cup of thanksgiving, there's our word again, Eucharisto, 
Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? We saw that word thanksgiving again, that eucharistos. The opposite of the word eucharistos is the word acharistos, which simply means ungrateful. It means to not have gratitude. 2 Timothy chapter 3 has a list of about 19 things that as we come to the end of the world that we're going to see in the world. Like there's a list given there. That in other words, it's going to get worse before it gets better and these, these things are going to start happening. And one of the things that you find on the list is acharisto. People aren't grateful anymore. They're not thankful. And I, I think we're seeing that in our culture. People are less and less thankful for the things that they have. So how can I show thanks for what God has done in my life? Not just for who he is, but what he has done. Two more things. I can show thanks by telling others the good news. Isaiah 12 says this, thank the Lord and praise his name. Tell the world about his wonderful love. One of the ways that you show your gratitude to God is you, you tell somebody else. We use this illustration. Let's pretend I had the cure for COVID. Sound good? We all in on that? Are we are you as done with COVID as I am? I have the cure, not just a vaccine, not just something that will you know, keep me from getting sick. I have something that will eradicate it. Cure it. Let's go even better than that. If I, could, if I had the cure for all cancer, I have really good friends, people in this church that are going through fighting cancer right now. And, and I pray for you and, and talk to you. And we, we've, some of them I pray with on the phone. And I had the cure for cancer, but I didn't tell anybody. What would you think about me? Selfish? You might even think that I should be put in prison. You might even think that criminal charges should be brought against me because I could have helped humanity and I didn't do anything to help anybody. Well, what, what about the person who knows that if you come to Jesus, you can have your sins forgiven, that you can have a new, clean life, you can be completely forgiven for everything, and, and, and you know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Where else is somebody going to get that if you don't tell them? You know what, if you work next to somebody for any length of time and you're friends with them, I, you know, some of you worked with people for 20 years. Have you ever had a conversation with them about Jesus in your life and said, hey, um, this, is what, this is what Jesus has done for me. And if, if they never hear the message of Jesus and you worked next to them for 20 years, whose fault is it going to be when it comes time for them to stand in front of God? They might say, you know what, I knew about Jesus, but nobody ever really explained to me what Jesus had done in their life. What does that mean for you if you worked with them and you never bothered to tell them? It is really the ultimate in ingratitude to keep that message to yourself. Because basically what you're saying is, I'm forgiven, I have a purpose for living, I know I'm going to heaven, but you, quite literally, can go to hell. Because I don't care. Because I'm not going to talk to you about it. I, I, it's not, it doesn't mean enough for me to even tell you anything. If you don't tell your story, no one is going to hear your story. If you, there's a story that you have to tell about how God has changed your life. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a preacher. This, this gig right here is way overblown. What you do with your friends and your neighbors is way more important than me trying to, to teach you, 
right? When you, when you have a conversation that tells somebody, hey, this is what Jesus has done in my life. And you've got access to people I do not have access to. And I can get up here and preach my heart out. And I do. I do. But here's what I can't do. I don't have the relationship with someone that you have. And I don't know your story nearly as intimately, sometimes not at all, as you do. You're the only person who can tell that story. And sometimes you're the only one who has access to certain people. I was with people on Thursday that they believe in God, but they just have never taken Christ seriously. And I'm trying to show them my faith and I'm trying to share Jesus with them in a way that they can understand it without it being weird and without it being all these things. And all I do is I just talk about how Jesus has changed my life. And it's up to them to decide if that's something that they're interested in. I don't put a lot of pressure on anybody, but they know where I am. They know what God's doing in me. You know, we're getting ready to enter the Christmas season. And, and here's what I can tell you about the Christmas season. There are going to be people around you that are going to be more open to coming to church in the Christmas season than at any other time of the year. I can't explain it, but it just something happens when it's Christmas time and, and people are just more open to it. I told you about Thanksgiving. I, I, I've been trying to have conversations with some of these people for a long time. And Dee, Dee it was her family, and she said, why don't we pray before we eat? And they were like, yeah, let's do that. Now, these are not people that pray. But they did. Yeah, let's pray. I got, I, you know, Brett, would you pray? Absolutely. Because preachers are the designated prayers, right? Like, I, I pray at every Thanksgiving I've ever at, which is fine. Happy to do it. And I said, amen. And, you, man, it was just this the sweetest. It was so sweet. The, the feeling in the room when I was with these people that I love, that we had had a chance to, to direct in a spiritual way. And what happened over the dinner was we started talking about church and Jesus. I couldn't believe it. And they were asking questions, and we were talking about different things. And did I have a, you know, an altar call and people come to Jesus? No. But we took a little ground on Thursday. We, we made a little difference on Thursday. Because this time of year, people are open to it. People are, are willing to listen to you talk about your faith. So here's what I want you to do. I know COVID has changed the game. I know that. I know some people aren't willing to come to church, but you may know somebody that's willing to come to church with you. Explain to them, my church has, has made it safe for us to come. We're distanced. We wear our masks. It's all good. Come to, just ask them to come. They will, my preacher used to say this all the time. They will not come if you do not ask them. Okay, you got to ask them. Just ask them to come to church with you so that they can hear the message of Jesus. It may open up a chance for you to tell them your, your story. We, we're going to tell you at the end of the service today about uh, candlelight. We're going to do the candlelight. Um, maybe you invite somebody to come to the candlelight with you and experience. It's a beautiful night. And maybe you go home and they, they, they might have some things they want to talk about. You know, you might have to step into a conversation. But you can do that. It's not impossible for you. Just, just step into it. Um, Here's something, now I don't often give you, you know, like, like you need my permission, you don't need my permission for anything, but maybe you're friends with somebody that's not ready to go out to church yet, okay? But they might be willing to come to your house, so here's what you do. You say, hey, why don't you come over to the house next Sunday, I'll fix breakfast, 
we'll eat breakfast, and then uh, Shelby and the band and Brett, are, we can see them on our computer or on our television, and we'll just watch it together. Why don't you come over and do that with us? You never know what might happen. You never know what kind of conversation might erupt out of something like that, and you never know when you're going to get the chance to tell your Jesus story. Fourth way you show your gratitude for what, what God has done is by giving an offering. Thanks and giving go together. Psalm 50, give an offering to show thanks to God. Give God most high what you have promised. Thanks and giving go together. The pilgrims weren't the ones who discovered thanksgiving. The pilgrims were copying what God did with the Hebrew people thousands of years earlier. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God by bringing him a free will offering in proportion to the blessing he has given you. So here's the question. How has God blessed you this year? If he's blessed you a lot, you should give a lot. If you weren't all that blessed, then you're not maybe going to be able to bless with a whole lot more. But the thing is, you, you give in proportion to the way you've been blessed. Here's the thing. You just have to be honest. And here's what I know. Most of us, if you really begin to take stock, we can look around and we can go, no, I've been pretty blessed. There's an abundance of blessing in my life. And here's the thing. The level of my giving shows the level of my gratitude. It's that simple. I can say I love Dee Dee. If I don't ever take Dee Dee out, if I don't ever take her to dinner, if I don't ever buy her gifts, if I don't ever, you know, give her a card or, you know, heartfelt, you know, thing, write to her notes and things, and we do that kind of stuff. If I don't ever do that, you know what? It would be easy for her to surmise. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care anything about me. I can say I love God. But if I'm not giving him anything, do I really love him? Here's the thing. You can give without loving. You can't love without giving. You spell love, G-I-V-E. What's interesting is that when I give to God, it makes other people grateful. <laughs> Paul said it like this. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. It's a cycle. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So there's the third reason that I should live my entire life as a thank you note to God. It's, number one is who he is. He's good, he's great, he's kind, merciful, gracious. I wouldn't have anything if God didn't love me, and I wouldn't know how to love if God didn't love me. So who he is, what he's done. Third reason I should live my life as a thank you note to God, because of what God has promised. Because of what God has promised. God has not finished doing good things in your life. Right? I, I, I say this to you all the time when we're in one-on-one -on -one conversations and you're going through hard stuff. I say this all the time. I say this to me all the time. Brett, the sun is going to shine again. The sun is going to shine again. It's a hard season. It's a hard time. You're going through something heartbreaking or heart-wrenching now. The sun, there are more blessings. God is going to bless you again. God has more in store for you. There are promises for you. You say, Brett, there really are promises for me? Yeah, to the tune of about 7,000 in Scripture. Did you know that? 7,000 promises in Scripture. Psalm 71, I will praise you because you are faithful to your promises. Here's, here's my question this morning. Have you ever stopped and just given God thanks for any one of the promises God has made to you? 
God didn't have to make promises to us. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He made all kinds of promises to you. Thank God. Thank you, God, for your promises. Thank you for the things that you assure me of. You say, Brett, out of those thousands, can you just share a couple? Here's a couple. Here's just three things that I would share with you that all come from Scripture. John 11, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. So that's the promise of death, or life after death. This isn't the end. That's what Easter's all about. It's not the end. We go beyond this. That's why I can stand at, 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 at uh, funerals of believers and put a smile on my face and say with great confidence, this is not the end. Yes, you're sad today, but you're going to see them again. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful promise. Another promise, God will take care of all your needs. Matthew 6, I love the way the message writes this. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. That is a promise to be grateful for. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week in my life. I don't know what's going to happen with the election. I don't know what's going to happen with any of this stuff, right? Can't see around every corner. Don't know what's going to happen a year from now. We never saw COVID coming. Anybody this time last year think you'd be sitting in church with a mask? No. God's going to meet our needs. He's going to give us what we need. We need not worry about that. Here's the third great promise. No matter what you go through in life, God says, I'm going to be there. Hebrews 13, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. God says, I I will never abandon you. Two more ways I show God that I love him, by serving him with the abilities he gave me. Serving God shows God that you love him. You say, Brett, I can't even see God. How do I serve him? You just serve other people. You serve God by serving others. Hebrews 12, let us please God by serving him with thankful hearts. See, I don't serve out of duty. I don't serve out of guilt. I don't serve out of pressure or or resentment or conformity of some kind. I serve God out of gratitude. Where are you serving others? We have opportunities at the church. We always need people to serve in different areas. We're actually, in in 2021, we'll have even more areas of service need because we're going to add some things that are going to require. We just need people. So help us if you can. But if you don't do it here, do it somewhere. Serve God by serving other people. And then the last way you can show your gratitude is by living each day as a thank you note to God. Colossians 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to look at that that verse. Give thanks in all circumstances. What that doesn't say is give thanks for all circumstances. Some of your circumstances, you're not going to give thanks for. I mean, you wouldn't, you go through a horrible season, you're like, God, Thank you that, you know, I'm, thank you that it's all just, just a big old storm of junk raining down on me. No, you're not thankful for that. You can be thankful in it. You can be thankful in a season. You're going to go through lots of seasons that you're not necessarily thankful for the season, but you can be thankful in the season. Big difference between those two things. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving. I talk to people 
in the Jesus talk. I, I, I talked to him and I, there's a point in the Jesus talk where we come and we talk about this idea of gratitude and I talk about living your life as a thank you note to God. And I say, it, it really just boils down to this. When you wake up in the morning, the first prayer that I want you to pray, really the only prayer I want you to pray to start your day is this. God, in light of what you've done for me, you have, you have completely forgiven me. The, uh, every, and here's what that means. Not only am I forgiven for what I have done, everything I've ever done is forgiven. I'm also forgiven for stuff I haven't even done yet. And usually when I say that, people are like, Brett, don't tell them that. Right? Don't tell them that. Because here's the thing. We want to use religion to control behavior. And we don't do that at Cross Lane. Here's what I'm telling you. When you come to Christ, you are forgiven for everything you've ever done, and you are forgiven for things you haven't even done yet. And that scares some people because they think, well, Brett, if you tell them that, they're going to go do all that stuff. Here's what I say to them. If you go do all that stuff, it's just going to jack up your life. Are you forgiven? You're absolutely forgiven. But it doesn't glorify God, and it's going to jack your life up. That's why God says don't do it because he knows it's going to hurt you. But even the stuff that I've yet to do, and I'm not perfect, I'm not going to get it right, I'm going to make some mistakes. I know already that I'm forgiven. So I wake up, and this is my prayer. God, in light of the fact that you have forgiven me, not just a little, completely forgiven me, how do I take this day and live my life as a thank you note to you for what you have done for me? And if you will just do that, I tell them, don't think about your sin, don't worry about your sin. If you're trying to live your life as a thank you note to God and sin presents itself in the form of temptation and you're genuinely trying to live a life of thanksgiving to God, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, that doesn't glorify God. Why would I do that? I'm not doing that. My life is a thank you note to God. And if it's a thank you note to God, I don't do things like that. And you, crisis averted. <laughs> and you move on to the next thing. Live your life as a thank you note to God. Let me pray for you before we head out the door. Father, the world is just designed in every way to tear us apart. The world is designed to, to take our mind off of you. The world is designed to make us feel like we've been gypped, that we, we didn't get all we had coming to us. It's just designed to make us feel lousy. And we're here this morning to fight back against all that and say, you're good and you have blessed us. We have every reason to lift up a song of praise to you. We have every reason to pray to you. We have every reason to share what you have done in our life with other people. There is no excuse for us, Father. And Lord, in these moments in a world where everything's shiny and it's easy to get our attention on something else, would you help us to return to this one simple idea, the secret sauce of giving you praise and thanks for every great thing that you have ever done for us. We are a grateful people, Father. And as we leave this place and as we go through this season where we are going to be tempted to be upset and divided and, and angry and frustrated, help us to focus our attention on a life that is grateful, a life that is a thank you note to you. We love you, Father. We want you to be praised and worshiped. We want you to be honored by the way we live our life. And so that is our goal as we leave this place. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.